Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors. LiquidRare, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application layering product on the market. And also by PolicyPack Software, where you use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lock down applications, Java, browsers, mitigate ransomware, and more. And also by Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues, regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And now let's get into some news. Bill Gates has stepped down from the board of directors at Microsoft. Obviously, we all know he was co-founder of the company. He's been involved in some capacity, be it as founder and CEO or on the board, since 1975. 45 years ain't too shabby. It is said he will continue to be a technical advisor to the current CEO, Satya Nadella. Bill left his full-time role with the company in 2008 to focus more on his philanthropic efforts with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Reports had suggested in recent years he had been showing up to the office more often. And personally, it seems to me that Microsoft is in really good hands right now and they've made some very positive changes under Satya Nadella. So I don't think it's a really bad time for Bill to become less involved in the company again. And I reckon him focusing even more on his work with the foundation is great news for the greater good. This week, Trend Micro confirmed two zero days in their Apex One and Office Scan XG products. CVE 2020 8467 lists that a migration tool component of Trend Micro Apex One and Office Scan contains a vulnerability which could allow remote attackers to execute arbitrary code on affected installations. An attempted attack requires user authentication, though. The other zero-day CVE-2020-8468 also affects Apex One and Office Scan agents, which are affected by a content validation escape vulnerability, which could allow an attacker to manipulate certain agent-client components. And again, an attempted attack does require user authentication. So obviously, we think zero-day, and you think can't really get much worse than that. Well. Despite those two zero days actually being exploited in the wild, they're not the worst bugs that were detailed in Trend Micro's recent security bulletin. There were three other vulnerabilities, CVE-2020-8470 and CVE-2020-8598 plus CVE-2020-8599. So 8470 also Trend Micro Apex One and Office Scan. And with that, the server product contains a vulnerable service DLL file that could allow an attacker to delete any file on the server with system level privileges. And authentication is not required to exploit this vulnerability. With 8598, the server product also contains another vulnerable service DLL file that could allow a remote attacker to execute arbitrary code on affected installations again with system level privileges. And with 8599, again, 
on the server products for Apex One and Office Scan, there's a vulnerable EXE this time that could allow a remote attacker to write arbitrary data to an arbitrary path on affected installations and bypass root login. And again, authentication is not required to exploit that vulnerability. So these vulnerabilities, obviously, since you know I mentioned authentication is not required and they can run in very privileged access, they are of a higher severity rating and actually rate with the highest possible severity rating. The good news, according to ZDNet, Trend Micro released patches for all of the vulnerabilities I mentioned on Monday. So if you're a Trend Micro customer, get patching. Andreas Nick shared an interesting fact on Twitter this week. Many will know that shell extension support has been broken in AppV since Windows 10 version 1903 was released. Andreas shared that he spoke with Microsoft recently about this, and it's expected that it will be fixed around the April time frame. Which that's great. I wasn't sure that they were going to fix it because it seemed like AppV's a little bit of an afterthought. But hopefully there's enough demand that they will continue to fix these things if they do break. I know they've said that they will fix, it's just not going to be a case of adding new features. But hopefully they keep that up, because I still like AppV. Podcast sponsor PolicyPack Software have just released some handy new features. So if you've used the product before, or maybe you were at one of my sessions, be it at the Irish Citrix user group last year, our E2E in Lisbon, you'd be aware that before this update, PolicyPack's great file association manager only did the computer side. Well, now PolicyPack file association manager can manage file extensions on the user side. And as a bonus, PolicyPack File Associations Manager even works with non-domain joined machines via the PolicyPack Cloud or with an MDM service and PolicyPack's MDM product. Which I bet would actually come in pretty handy for a lot of organizations right now who just sent a lot of people to work from home. They probably got some productivity tools that maybe they've made accessible to people on their personal devices, maybe it's an organization that uses a lot of uh, SaaS-based applications, and you want to set the file type association, so it works just as though maybe you'd configure on an enterprise company asset, just for convenience. Well, you'd be able to do that with this. And what I love is that PolicyPack makes it so simple and basically foolproof, so you can't really mess it up and break your user's desktops like a certain techie and host of this podcast once did. Apparently, leaving file type associations to the old and busted Edge browser were not optimal. Whoops. With this updated version, PolicyPack's file association manager can now associate to multi-instant windows like Citrix, RDS, and multi-session Windows 10 for WVD. And the great thing about that is Say like me, I'm in a healthcare environment where they've got multiple different products. They've got some Citrix products, VMware products, toying with some cloud products, maybe WVD in the future. Well, any machine that an employee logs in on, be it a Citrix session, be it a WVD session, they can get the same file associations without any questions and just seamlessly. If you're interested in checking that out for yourself, I'll provide links for some demos and information, and that's with episode 116. You'll find it on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links for episode 116. 
Microsoft are finally deprecating Visual Basic. Starting with .NET version 5, Visual Basic will support class libraries, console, Windows Forms, WPF, worker service, and ASP.NET Core Web API. Microsoft are supporting these to provide a good path forward for the existing Visual Basic customers who want to migrate their applications to .NET Core. They've said going forward they do not plan to evolve Visual Basic as a language. You may also notice differences when trying to leverage Visual Basic in .NET Core versus the full .NET Framework version 5 release. Personally, I know a few application vendors who need to get busy changing their code, and hopefully that's the wake-up call they need. Citrix have announced that their large Citrix Synergy conference will be virtual this year. I'm sure it sucks for the organizers of these large events, so many have had the slate clean on a lot of work they've already done and start again for a completely different beast this time with challenges thrown into the virtual remote platforms. The one bit of good news from this is that it will now be free and accessible to all. The date is going to remain the same, so it will be May 19th. There will be some really great free content to view. Sticking with some COVID-19 related stories. And actually, before I get into it, I placed this towards the end of the news for this week's episode because... I know that it's been pretty overwhelming, just the amount of information coming out about coronavirus just over the last few weeks. A lot of people want to switch off, and this is not a current affairs program. It's tech-related, and but it's almost impossible to not cover stories related to the coronavirus because it is impacting enterprise IT as well. I know I could speak personally and say, it was a brutal week at work, and I'm sure it was for many of you too. It's part of the reason why this week's episode of the podcast is getting published so late. But with that said, due to the various challenges enterprises are handling right now, Microsoft has decided to help ease the burden a little bit by extending the life of Windows 10 1709. The final security update for version 1709 will be released on October 13, 2020, instead of the originally planned date of April 14, 2020. Marcel from ControlUp shared some really interesting insights, courtesy of the awesome product that is ControlUp, around performance analysis with the Citrix Workspace HTML5 client versus the full Workspace app showing why with your increased work from home traffic, it would be a good idea to get as many users as possible to use the full app. You want to check out the screenshot for yourself. If you're not watching the YouTube version of the podcast this week, you can find it on the YouTube version, or I'll provide a link with this episode, which again is episode 116. You'll find it on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links. But essentially... You don't want to consider the latency. With the sudden work-from-home surge, Microsoft Teams amassed more than 44 million active users, up nearly 40% in one week. And I know I saw Harry Labana did a Twitter poll asking people what they're using, and it appeared that Teams came out as number one, and I believe Zoom was number two, with WebEx and GoToMeeting falling behind, which is interesting, too, to see that Zoom has leapt ahead of those two other very established products. 
It was a tough week, however, for these types of services, with teams having performance issues, particularly in Europe, on Monday. Zoom, WebEx, GoToMeeting, and others also had performance disruptions due to the sheer demand. Also in a rather positive story, the great Folding at Home project, which if you're not familiar with, essentially allows medical researchers to tap into your machine's compute power in order to harness it for computations as part of medical research. And they have now decided to focus some of that computation and their research towards COVID-19. If you had a PlayStation 3, you might remember the Folding at Home project was actually involved with the PlayStation 3. And if you left your PlayStation 3 powered on and you were signed up for it, they would actually use some of your compute power while your PlayStation was idle. So if you've got pretty decent home lab, maybe a powerful laptop, and you're willing to donate some of your compute, please consider getting involved with your home PC today. And I'll share a link, as I do with everything I mentioned on the podcast, with this week's episode. In an interesting tidbit, Michael Brown on Twitter shared the fact that the password, coronavirus, has already been compromised 18 times. So you probably already knew this, but it's not a good idea to use a word associated with a major historical event that's going on right now as your password. Also related to the work from home surge, I saw a tweet that I felt was pretty on point from Jaina Duggan, who pointed out this work from home is not typical. And it's not typical because productivity isn't maybe what it would be in other circumstances. In this case, it is work from home and looking after kids, elderly, and those who need help. It's also working from home and having limited access to services and prepared meals, having fewer goods at markets, having constant anxiety about apocalypse, having no option to take a break, and more. There are actually others who reply to the tweet with extra challenges that they are facing. I know some who have had issues with their companies provided VPN that has cost them time and productivity, but more than the technical challenges, the personal challenges are pretty overwhelming for many. So it may not be a good opportunity for companies to measure productivity when working from home, but it's probably still a good opportunity to assess the technology, maybe if it did 80% of the job but didn't do the other 20% very well. You know, what can be improved, how it could be fixed, maybe look at the electricity consumption, maybe some other cost savings that could be made, but maybe not so much on the personal side of things. You know, work from home is said to help boost employee morale. In this instance, it probably won't because it's quite a jarring time that we're all going through. And now this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. And sticking with that work from home theme first, the awesome Sean Donahue, who has an excellent podcast and video series of his own that you should really check out, has been sharing some great little short daily work from home tips for those who are new to work from home due to the COVID-19 situation. Some of them are just a given, but I think coming from someone like Sean, who's got a lot of experience and has been working from home for quite some time, he can maybe rest some of your concerns at ease. You know, something simple like that tweet that I mentioned saying having no option to take a break. You know, do you really have no option? Just take the break. 
in the long run, it's going to make you more productive. So it might feel like you can't take a break. It might feel like since you're not being watched, you have to put forth more effort. You need to take care of yourself so you can do a better job. And that's kind of paraphrasing one of his tips, but he's got a lot of them. And they're, they are very concise and very short, so you should really check them out. And he's on Twitter, Sean Du, S-E-A-N, spells it the Irish way, good man, Sean. So S-E-A-N-D-O-4-0. And another buddy of mine, Andrew Morgan, shared an awesome tool this week on his GitHub repository called WallMesh, or Wake on Land Mesh. If, like me, you work somewhere where Wake on Land is blocked on the network, this could be a great solution for you. It's Wake on Land without the broadcast mechanism. You do require a web server and a light agent to install on any machine that you'd like to be able to power on remotely. I believe the agent just registers the PC with the backend web service. The web service itself uses a REST API to trigger a power on of any PC on the same subnet as you're required to power it on. With the influx of work from home, if you support something like Citrix Remote PC, Direct Access, or any other product that enables users to remote into their desktop in the office, this can come in very handy. Sometimes people just accidentally shut down their PC while remote and then they can't get it back on, or someone might inadvertently turn it off in the office, and then you get a service desk call because they needed power back on in order to work. Well, the person at the help desk might be in a completely different building, not able to turn it on. The field techs might not might not be working considering the conditions of the coronavirus and you still need to be able to remotely power on that machine so this is something that could come in very handy for a lot of companies next up preempt.com have shared a handy ntlm scanner tool that is a simple python tool based on impacted that tests servers for various known ntlm vulnerabilities so these NTLM vulnerabilities have been a recurring theme of the last two years, so it's a good idea to ensure you are as protected as you can be and you've been patched properly. Finally, on a topic that's been pretty hot right now because of the work from home stuff, Remote PC, Gabe Carreo and Rob Zalowski collaborated and shared a script on GitHub that allows you to mass pre-assign desktops in Remote PC to users. So there's an auto-assign feature for a remote PC, but that requires the user to at least log in once after the VDA is installed and the desktops available within Studio for remote PC. Now, obviously, a lot of organizations very abruptly send people home, so it might be a case that the employee who needs to get into the machine is not actually physically able to go to the office and log on to the machine for it to auto-assign. In which case, this is the perfect tool for you. You can get a list of users, maybe from SCCM, get the primary user, or even MBAM, I think, has it too. You could pull from the database, get the workstations, and the primary user who uses that workstation, output it into a CSV file, and then with this script, import that in and auto-assign the workstation to that primary user. Very, very handy. Well, that's it for another episode of the podcast. I feel like the way things are trending, vendors don't have as many announcements going on right now for obvious reasons. Even tech journalists are a little less active, again, for obvious reasons. 
So the podcast episodes might be getting a little bit shorter in the next few weeks. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because the intention for this podcast when I first set it up was to keep it pretty short. That's why I chose the name Five Bytes Podcast. And if you do enjoy the podcast each week and you have fellow techies that you work with, if you think might appreciate it too, by all means share it with them. And if you wouldn't mind, please rate the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Well, that's it for another week. Thank you so much for listening and stay safe, everyone.